Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. God has witnessed Genesis 31, 15. After Jacob was done, the two sisters or daughters said, Amen, Jacob, he is a rascal. Wow. When you have your wives confirming what you're feeling and confirming what their father's like, you know that there's something obvious going on. Sometimes it just takes the first person to say something about the obvious and then the rest of the people say, yeah, that's right. He is a rascal. And Laban was. Uh, By the way, you just might want to mark in verse 14, this is the first time Rachel and Leah agree on anything. Just a note. Right? They are fighting all the time, wrestling over the husband, over who had what children. But one thing they could agree upon, dad had not treated them well at all. One writer says, the price of the bride was supposed to be held in trust in the event that they were, the wife was abandoned or widowed. So when a father got a dowry uh, for his daughter, He was supposed to hold that money or those possessions so that if her husband died or abandoned her, she had something to fall back on. And the two daughters say, or the two wives say, he's taken it all. I don't know if this means that he increased his personal holdings with it, but one thing that they knew, what what Jacob had done and how long had, had he worked for both of them? 14 years. Can you imagine 14 years of paycheck? Gone. Your only fallback, your dad has taken it. You know, we have families in our world, there's something left and it's inheritance left for a child or something and then families get in all kinds of trouble over money, don't they? Manipulation and terrible treatment of people can often happen over money. The two daughters knew what daddy was up to. You see, for Laban, it was all about him. They felt more like possessions to him than daughters. It's not hard to see through people like this, and family usually pays the biggest price. In fact, I think we could read between the lines and say that these daughters resented their father. They felt like just a possession to him. And sadly, you know, these kinds of things happen in our world. There are people who have, you know, experiences with parents and, and they're not good. And sometimes even kids feel like they're just a problem for their parents. And these two daughters just pretty much felt used by dad. But again, we go back to the faithfulness of God that even when our parents let us down, God is our father. And he won't abandon us. Surely all the wealth, 16, which God has taken away from our father belongs to us and our children. Now then, here's the two wives. Do whatever God has said to you. Okay, you know what, Jacob? We see something pretty cool here. When God's given you all this stuff and basically taken it away from our father, it's become ours too because we're married to you. So this is pretty cool. We've all gotten payback on wicked Laban. Ding dong, Laban is dead. The wicked Laban. Anyway, sorry. 
It's payback time. Look, eventually the chickens do come home to roost when people are doing this kind of stuff. It comes out. And so they saw God's hand in it. They saw that God was working and the ladies decided that, yes, we want to follow you, hubby. The Bible says, for this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And so Jacob says, look, we're going to break free from your dad and all that he's done to all of us. And Jacob arose and he put his children, 17, and his wives upon camels. He drove away all his livestock and all his property which he had gathered, his acquired livestock which had gathered in, he had gathered in Padan Aram to go to the land of Canaan to his father Isaac. When Laban had gone to shear his flock, the, then Rachel stole the household idols that were her father's. Now this is interesting because this family has Semitic origins and you would think that they would all be centered around the worship of God, but remember that where the original call came for, for Abraham and where Jacob originally or uh, eventually returned to was the area of Mesopotamia, which was very much steeped in idolatry. And here, Rachel goes in and steals her father's gods. It's always a problem when your god can be stolen. <laughs> you may want to reconsider your gods if he can be stolen. Now, we, do, we have a scripture in 1 Samuel 19, 13. We won't go there for the sake of time, but when Saul was trying to kill David, it says that Michal, David's wife, took the household idol, laid it on the bed, and put a quilt or a pillow of goat's hair on its head and covered it with clothes. This would indicate that some of the idols were large, and, and some scholars that say they were even some human figures, but these idols, we're gonna find out in the story, were relatively small. But this may explain a lot about Laban. See, Laban was an idol worshiper. Laban was a man who tried to appease other gods, and we even have seen in a previous study that he practiced divination. He tried to divine things. You say, what's divination? Divination is to try to find out things about the past, present, or future by occult practices. It's something that people in the occult try to do. They try to go behind the veil, as it were. They try to get a glimpse through whatever spirits will give them insight into the past, present, or future. That's what the occult is. And when you start messing with the occult, God says, if you mess with that, it's an abomination to me. In fact, God said, when you go into the promised land later in the book of Deuteronomy, I do not want you to uh, copy or mimic the abominable practices of those people. When you open up yourself to the occult, you open yourself up to things that are occluded, things that God does not want you to mess with, things that sometimes can invite dark spirits into your life. And there are people in this world who could testify to you tonight that they opened that door and it got ugly. And it's a door that you don't want to open. And maybe that's why Laban was the way he was. He seems like just some secular you know, terrible boss, but he was messing and dabbling in the occult. And so here's what we have now. We have Rachel going to steal 
the gods. Why did she do that? Why do you think Rachel stole his gods? Some people say it would give her a right perhaps to a family inheritance or something like that. I don't know. Did she do it just to spite her dad? Did he see these as good luck charms or of some sort? Did she want to just kind of give a final, you know, ribbing to him? I don't know, but she took them. And it says in verse 20, and Jacob tricked or deceived Laban, uh, the Aramean, by not telling him that he was fleeing. Would you have told Laban that you were leaving? I wouldn't. And he packed the bags in the middle of the night, and it was like, time to go. One writer says, there's a word play in verses 19 and 20 that indicate a deep mutuality of Jacob and Rachel in their actions. The word tricked in verse 20 is literally stole the heart of, which is an idiom for tricked or deceived. So the Hebrew text reads, quote, and Rachel stole her father's household gods, and Jacob stole the heart of Laban the Aramean. They both were taking stuff from Laban. Well deserved, I think, at least in the case of what Jacob was doing, but Rachel stole the, the gods and off they went. So he fled with all that he had, and he arose and crossed the Euphrates River and set his face toward the hill country of Gilead. When it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob had fled, and what they would do is when they sheared sheep, and this was the opportune time to get away, they'd often move away from the home and they would, they would shear sometimes huge flocks of sheep and they would say that you'd have hundreds of men shearing the sheep and it could take a matter of days. And so there's a time factor here where they pick this time and he's away and focused on the spring event of the shearing of the sheep and they take off and all of a sudden Laban is told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his kinsmen with him and pursued him a distance of seven days. This reminds you of uh, Pharaoh's pursuit of the children of Israel in the Exodus. Seven days journey and he overtook him in the hill country of Gilead. So they would have traveled about 300 miles and you know they were moving with a camels and caravan and so Le- Uncle Laban got you know his, his uh Family, his relatives, probably, you know, uh, armed people as well, and off they went to pursue Jacob and the family. And God came, came to Laban the Aramean in a dream of the night, and he said to him, be careful that you do not speak to Jacob either good or bad. And Laban caught up with Jacob, 25. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the hill country, And Laban with his kinsmen camped in the hill country of Gilead. Then Laban said to Jacob, What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Now the night before, it seems like what happened was Laban pursued. He got to the point where he could see uh, Jacob's camp and it was the end of the day, so they set up camp and Laban decided to get a night's sleep. And when he did, God came to him in a dream and warned him. Just like he had done for Abraham uh, about, you know, Sarai, just like he had done for Isaac about Rebekah, God intervened against someone who had bad intentions and to do harm to Jacob. And it's gonna come out in this text that that's probably what Laban was planning, to do harm to Jacob, but God intervened. And so here's Laban. The, the con man who has been duped. 
What have you done by deceiving me and carrying away my daughters like captives of the sword? Why did you flee secretly and deceive me and did not tell me so that I might have sent you away with joy and with songs and with timbrel and with lyre? Look, we could have had a party. We could have, we could have had a night of joy and singing. Why, oh why did you do this to me? Daddy never gets deceived. I'm the deceiver, not the deceive Apparently, you're not with the program here. And the two daughters had to be thinking, you know what, finally, someone's got dad. You did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly. It is in my power to do you harm. A little bit of a threat here from Uncle Laban. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful not to speak either good or bad to Jacob. And now you have indeed gone away because you long greatly for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? All of a sudden there's a turn in the speech, right? Maybe one of the guys is pulling out his pistol, showing his gun. We could have hurt you, boy. But the God of your father showed up. Hey, look, I know you wanted to go home, boy. I know you longed for your family. I know I kept you for a mere 20 years. I'm sure you wanted to go home. Look, we can understand that. But why would you steal my gods? (laughs) Can we get a clarification on that one? Well, then Jacob answered and said to Laban, Well, because I was afraid, I think he's explaining why he left the way he did. For I said, lest you would take your daughters from me by force. And then Jacob says something because he doesn't know what's happened with Rachel. He says, the one with whom you find your gods shall not live. Jacob pronounces a death sentence on the one who stole the gods. In the presence of our kinsmen, point out what is yours among my belongings and take it for yourself For Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. Now, I don't know all the positioning of the tents and everything, but if Rachel heard this, do you think she was sweating some beads of sweat? (laughs) Jacob's just pronounced a death sentence on the one, because he didn't think this has happened. He thinks, man, my hands are clean. He's not going to find anything. So Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, into the tent of the two maids, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered into Rachel's tent. And here's where the music gets intense. You know, whatever the music would be. Now Rachel had taken the household idols and put them in the camel saddle, and she sat on them. And Laban felt through all the tent, but did not find them. And she said to her father, let not my Lord be angry that I cannot rise before you. Normally she would have risen for her father. For the manner of women is upon me. Basically she's saying it's my time of the month. So he searched but did not find the household idols. Rachel was sitting on his gods. Now, I want to tell you that there is a, there is a message here. And I'll tell you this, this is based upon authority, and I'm not just making this up. 
But there's a message in Rachel's way she has dealt with these gods. Because basically, she's saying, your gods are nothing. They're detestable. There's even an inference that your gods are unclean and worthless, is the idea here. And so, you know, he searches the tent, and she cleverly, you know, does what she does, and he finds nothing. So he comes out of the final tent, and you can see this coming now. He searches it, he finds nothing, and Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, and we're going to read all these verses, and, and you, you're almost going to want to feel like you want to say an amen after he says this. It's kind of like finally the bad guy gets his in the movie. You ever been there before? Some of you don't want to admit it because you're Christians, I know. But the bad guy, he's been doing terrible things to everybody the whole movie and he falls off a building and splats to his death down below and something in you just says, good. Good. (laughs) He deserved it. It's a movie. And Jacob became angry and contended with Laban. He said, Jacob. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my transgression? What is my sin that you have hotly pursued me? Though you have felt through all my goods, what have you found of all your household goods? Set it here before my kinsmen and your kinsmen that they may decide between us two. Let's have have an official inquiry right now. These 20 years I've been with you. Your ewes and your female goats have not miscarried, nor have I eaten the rams of your flocks. I didn't even eat the stuff. That which was torn of beasts I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it myself. You required it of my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. Thus I was. By day the heat consumed me, and the frost by night and my sleep fled from my eyes. These 20 years I've been in your house. I served you 14 years for your two daughters. Can I get an amen from the two daughters? Amen. Six years from your flock. Can I get an amen from the flock? Amen. And you change my wages 10 times. If the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had not been for me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the toil of my hands, and so he rendered judgment last night. The ESV, I think the NIV says, he rebuked you last night. God has rendered judgment on my side. God has seen my affliction. In the Exodus, when Moses is at the burning bush, God says to Moses, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. I am aware of their sufferings. And in Exodus 4.31, when they announce what they're coming to do, the people believed When they heard that the Lord was concerned about the sons of Israel and that he had seen their affliction, then they bowed low and worshiped. Last night, Jacob says, God rendered judgment on my behalf. Laban answered and said to Jacob, the daughters are my daughters. The children are my children. Oh yeah, let me tell you something, young whippersnapper. And the flocks are my flocks, and all that you see is mine. You're like, "Uh uh-oh. This is probably not going to end real good. But then he changes. But he says, but what can I do? This day, 
to these my daughters or to their children whom they have born. Do you think that Laban is just trying to save face here? Do you know when finally you realize someone's got the upper hand and even God has confirmed it, but you can't just let it go there, so you gotta get in a final shot? Everything you see here is mine. None of this would have existed without me, right? Maybe saying all of this to save face or whatever, but Laban's words were empty. They were hollow, as hollow as he was. If you are around somebody that, you know, just has to talk to hear themselves talk, just know that you can let a lot of that stuff just flow over your shoulder. Don't let it bother you personally. Do you take everything personally? Some people are just hollow, and they just are full of wind, and it comes out quite a bit. But look, this is just what they do. Now, here's what he says. He says, so now come, let us make a covenant. Hey, everything is cool now. You and I, let it be a witness between you and me. Then Jacob took a stone and set, up, set it up as a pillar. And Jacob said to his kinsmen, gather stones. So they took stones and made a heap, and they ate there by the heap. Now Laban called it Jegar Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid. Laban used Aramaic, Jacob Hebrew. And Laban said, this heap is a witness between you and me this day, therefore it was named Galid. Both in, uh, in both languages, it speaks of the heap as a witness. And Mizpah, for he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. If you mistreat my daughters, if you take wives besides my daughters, although no man is with us, see, God is witness between you and me. Isn't this dude amazing? He's saying, look, he's not a believer in the one true God, but he, you know, they t they've taken this little, and if you want to look behind me, it's, I know it's something that's been before you all night, but they would do something like this. They would make this heap of stones, and it got anointed, and it was supposed to be like a memorial, like it would, it would speak of their agreement. It would mark their agreement. And here's basically what Laban says. I'm an honest man, so I know that I won't need anybody watching me, but this heap will be a witness that your God will watch you. This is where Sting got his song, by the way. I'll be watching you. Never mind. Anyway. <laughs> you know, people used to say that was a love song. Every move you make, every step you take, I'll be watching you. That sounds not like a love song. That sounds like someone who's strange. Anyway, <laughs> don't even know why I brought it up, but. <laughs> this heap is a witness, 52, and the, pil and the pillar is a witness that I will not pass by this heap to you for harm, and you will not pass by this heap and this pillar to me for harm. We're not gonna mistreat one another. I don't know what Laban was worried about. He was the one that was threatening everything. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their father, and I don't think he's speaking of the true God judged between us. The God of Abraham is the true God, but I don't know about the God of Nahor or the God of their father. 
judge between us. So Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. And Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and God and called his kinsmen to the meal. And they ate the meal and spent the night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban arose and kissed his sons and his daughters and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his own place. And this is the last time we hear from Laban in the Bible again. Amen. God is witness. Hey, I wrote a book on um, this whole idea of spiritual warfare and dealing with the world, the flesh, and the devil. It's a book called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. And it's going to help you suit up in the morning and put on the resources that God has given you. And armor really is for one thing, folks. It's for protection. God loves you and wants to protect you. And he's given us spiritual resources for a spiritual battle. So look up Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God. You can find that on Amazon, Suit Up, by Pastor Michael Lance. Just search that and get a hold of that book. I think it'll really be helpful to you, and we would love for it to be a blessing to you. Also, reach out to us through our website. It's livingtruthradio.org. That's livingtruthradio.org. And if you have a prayer request or if there's any way that we can help you, if you just want to send us a word of encouragement, we love to read uh, the messages that come via the website, and we would love to interact with you and help you in any way we can. Reach out to us. Let us know where you listen, what your name is, how we can pray for you. And if you can help us out financially, you can give to the ministry through the website, and we could use your help at livingtruthradio.org. So on behalf of Oscar Santa Cruz and Andy Chapel, this is Pastor Michael Lance. We'll catch you next time on Living Truth Radio. God bless you. Maybe you've been hearing these messages about becoming a new creation in Christ, but you're not sure that you know him. Well, the Bible encourages us that now is the acceptable time. Now is the day of salvation. And so don't put it off because the Bible tells us we don't even know what a day will bring. So trust in him now. The Bible says that we need to confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead and we will be saved. You know, we see this reality in the scriptures of repentance and faith. Turning away from our sin, which is repentance, it literally means to do a 180 and turn away from sin and turn to God to do it his way instead of our way. And faith is a word in Greek which means to put our trust in, to entrust ourselves to Christ. Now when we do that, we're trusting in his person, his finished work on the cross, and his resurrection, and and trusting in him and him alone for our salvation. And that's how you become a Christian. You Turn from sin and you turn to God through Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to today's program. If you'd like to listen to this message again, learn more about our church in Corona, or to access archived messages, go to livingtruthradio.org and click on the church tab. You can follow us on Instagram at livingtruthcorona or download the Living Truth Christian Fellowship app on Apple and Android devices. Living Truth Radio is a listener-supported ministry. You can partner with us by donating at livingtruthradio.org.